So we're going to be talking through a lot of these old movies and giving away any kind of surprises that might come through. So, yes, spoiler alert. You have been warned. Mm-hmm. If you continue, you continue at your own peril. Right. But some of these movies are 70 years old. <laughs> so, yes, 70 year old spoiler alert. <laughs> right. Listeners and listenerettes, I guess. <laughs> Welcome to our show. What's our show about today, Tim? We're doing a show uh-huh. today. Our mm. topic is about uh, giant pests. Oh, and, uh, col- wow. wait a minute! Colossal pests. Whoa, there How's you that? Go. I just changed it to your title. Love it. <laughs> colossal pets. It's brilliant. yeah. Um, it's you know. Could be confused with our other show about uh, giant monsters, but uh, it's not. Yeah. It's it's kind of a, 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 it's a sister genre. Yes. Yes. If you like your sister, it's a sister genre. If you don't like your sister, then it's something else. By the way, my name is Tim and. I am Derek. Hi, Derek. Hi. This is Transmissions from the Forbidden Planet. Yes. And what is that topic for us one more time, Tim? Monstrous, colossal pests. All of those. Monstrous pests. Let's trend. Hashtag monstrous, colossal, gigantic, gargantuan, robust, wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right. It's going to be like 90 words long. Yeah. Letters. 90 characters long. People are going to look at it and be like, what the fuck does this say? <laughs> <laughs> right. Anyway, on with the show. Why don't you start us out, Tim? So we're going to start with a brief history on the topic, Ooh. Derek. <laughs> <laughs> so says my note. <laughs> right. Yeah. So this is like one of those kind of things uh, when you're like eight years old mm-hmm. and you see a movie about giant bugs invading a town and oh. you're like, oh my God, my afternoon is set. Check and mate. My right? day's planned. Yeah, and for me anyway, there was always that ad that would come on after the attack of the giant scorpion, the ghost and Mr. Chicken with Don Knotts. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, where do I sign? Yeah, I, know, I, I don't know if I share that one with you. Oh, but, really? uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that was like Uh-oh. a staple for me. Don Knotts and the ghost and Good Mr. Ghost and Mr. Chicken. Chicken. Attaboy, Luther! <laughs> well, anyway... Um, yeah, there's a handful of them uh, that kind of rotated around in uh, my youth uh, of these movies. And um, one of them I kind of remember watching rel- when it was relatively new. Oh, really? Uh, <laughs> them from 1954? Tim, how old are you? <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> you lied to me. <laughs> no, the other the other ant one, Empire of the Ants. Oh, okay. I remember watching that as a... Uh, 
Yeah. With my sister, like when I was when it came onto TV. Oh, okay. Wow. So that, I know that your family kind of guarded you a bit on your intake of movies. So that was one that they seemed to be okay with you, uh, being subjected to as a youngling. I'm, I'm, I'm taking. Oh yeah. Yeah. It wasn't really that bloody or anything like that, you know? Right. Right. Gotcha. Yeah. Cause they didn't have PG 13 in the seventies and until the mid eighties. So, Mm -hmm. uh, there was a good old days too, because before PG 13 in PG movies, you had the hope of seeing boobs sometimes (laughs) as a young boy. That was great. (laughs) So, yeah. Um, so when we, we begin talking about this topic, let's talk about the practicalities of this whole thing. Bugs that are the size of school buses and, and uh, you know, a, a rabbits the size of... Uh, a beautiful, pristine VW rabbit that Jake Gyllenhaal drives around. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Zodiac. <laughs> yes. Um, Sorry. Anyway, go ahead, sir. So the, the, the history of this shit goes is... Um, 400 million years ago. Cue the music. There were uh, arthropods in the sea, basically, before we had land animals yet. And uh, there were sea scorpions of a type that got to be as big as about eight feet. Holy Um, shit. They weren't scorpions like we know them today, you know, with a stinger on the tail and all that stuff. But they did have a very similar shape, and uh, they did have uh, the claws and all that stuff. And but they they were they're not directly related to uh, land scorpions of today. And um, but they were sea creatures. They were not land creatures. Yeah, right, right. But they were they were underwater creatures. They couldn't live above the the la- uh, the surface on the. Mm. They couldn't breathe air. Right. Several hundred million years later, we did have uh, dragonflies or so that were, you know, the size of birds and stuff like that. Uh, right. Wow. And uh, like millipedes and stuff like that. You know, the ones with really long type of guys with the with the shit loads of legs and stuff that could be like, you know, ten feet long and all that stuff. Right. Jesus. And I guess the science behind that, an old theory and a brand new theory that we discovered mm-hmm. that. Uh, the old long-running theory is that uh, high oxygen content allowed for these animals that had restricted breathing mechanisms allow them to become much bigger. That's the old theory, mm-hmm. right? Uh, so the, the atmosphere was much more rich in oxygen back in these days. In the gee, you know, I wonder why. <laughs> Because, well, I'll tell you why. There was so many plants and there was no freaking animals on the land to be able to breathe in the oxygen and turn it to carbon dioxide. So it was all fucking oxygen. Right. right. Yeah. So um, crazy. Man. So and the newer theory that we've discovered is some scientists are kind of figuring out that um, it was more about the larvae of insects and arachnids of this time period of high oxygen content. Uh, mm-hmm. They could be poisoned by rich oxygen levels, meaning that um, they, they kind of absorb the oxygen through their skin. And if they're small, these larvae is small, mm-hmm. they can't regulate it themselves. And, and, and too much oxygen bombarding them would poison them and cause all kinds of issues until death. Right. So the way I guess they're hypothesizing is the way that the insect larvae dealt with this was by being much bigger oh. and having a larger skin surface area, mm. whatever you call it, you right. know, body surface area to be able to uh, kind of balance out. Mm-hmm 
the high oxygen content and then because they were large larvae they grew into larger insects and all that stuff you know fascinating and frightening that's kind of the the truth of it yeah i think that you know like we had cockroaches that could be as big as eight inches as far as their wingspan and all that stuff and and uh, like i said the the dragonflies that were you know two and a half feet oh wingspans on these dragonflies holy shit and um and if you've ever had one of those things like buzz by you while you're in the pool they seem to always be attracted to people in the pool they always were to me anyway and they're super annoying you splash water at them they just keep coming back and oh my god i couldn't imagine one that big yeah and they sound like a b-52 bomber you know (laughs) right so imagine if their wings are that much bigger you know yeah you'd be like that's frightening can't run for the house because there wouldn't be any because it's 150 million years ago we're writing our own horror movie right now this is awful so that's what what i was going to say is like the science of this whole thing of these bugs getting to be the size of buses and Mm -hmm. all that stuff it's it's actually as far as like scientists say it's physically impossible no really but the 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 biology of it they say just doesn't really work out right well we'll see about that yeah what the hell does scientists know tish tish what happens if we add just a little atomic soup <laughs> to these uh, <laughs> tiny little insects we call friends? I'll tell you what we get. We don't get you or me or the others. We get them. A couple of months ago in the desert of New Mexico, gigantic ants were discovered. These ants are similar in appearance and characteristics to the household and garden, as you're familiar with. Except that they are mutations ranging in size from 9 to 12 feet in length. Yes, and that will lead us directly into our first film we're going to talk about, 1954's Them. Yes, and it's the title is all in capital letters with an exclamation point at the end. You betcha, they're announcing it. Starring our pal James Arnesh. How come the FBI office in Washington sent that print to the Department of Agriculture? They weren't able to identify it. As we discussed in uh, The Thing from Another World, he played the alien monster in that because he's tall. Yes, and in this he plays a tall army man, so that he's gone a long <laughs> way. <laughs> right. So um, them is one, uh, uh, as far as all of these uh, giant bugs and animals, this is one of my favorites, especially of the classic sci-fi 50s genre. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've I've loved this movie ever since I was a little kid. Oh, totally. Yeah, me too. Me too. Uh, in fact, this movie is sort of like a gateway drug for me because it opened up as, as a kid my eyes to black and white films. Because before that, I was kind of repelled. Yeah, yeah. As right. a kid, I thought, oh, black and white means boring and stuff. It was what my grandparents used to watch. Every, anything black and white. Lad, as Captain Carey, United States Army, in war, a daring saboteur behind enemy lines in Italy, in peace. A grim avenger who returns to the Italian village to search for his betrayers. When they would watch me uh, or babysit me when my mom would go to work or something like that. And so I, this movie opened my eyes to black and white, a whole new world of black and white movies. And I have these little ants to thank for it. So I wouldn't say they're little, Derek. <laughs> so sorry. I'm terribly sorry, Mr. The Ant. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so I, I love this movie. I love the B-movie quality about it. Right. I, 
Yeah. I loved uh, the actors and the the fact that it did kind of creep me out yeah. as a kid. It, it got to me. Yeah. I loved the look of the ants because they don't look real enough to make me too afraid to watch it. They had that kind of lifeless movement to them. The lifeless wiggle that the giant <laughs> right. ant has. <laughs> right. <laughs> right, right. And I mean, if there's one thing I can name from this film that really got to me uh, kind of scary as a kid, it's that noise that they gave them. The sound of the ants in this film is 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 just amazing. Yeah, and it stuck it's like with this, me. Um, oscillating high pitch whistle. Yes, it takes place in a very desert kind of either Southern California or you know kind of Nevada Arizona deserty area, and um, you know following a couple of cops being called in on a on a job or something like that, and then of course the giant ants are eventually discovered, and you know the noise and all that stuff, and uh, they're taking over the world as the movie progresses because. They're getting accounts from all over the place, and uh, the one guy in the movie who's a little shell-shocked, he has like a, a recollection of seeing, I guess what we would assume is a queen ant flying by or something like that, so they're colonizing the world. And I thought today was the end of them. No, we haven't seen the end of them. We've only had a close view of the beginning of what may be the end of us. Right. And they were caused, they, they also find out it's caused by uh, an atomic, uh, atomic fallout, right, from nuclear, or from bomb testing. Right. Correct. Yeah. And, yeah. and so that's basically the, the reveal, their hand that they're revealing in the film. And, you know, one of the cops we end up following around is a actor, James Whitmore, who years later will become kind of well-known for playing in uh, Shawshank Redemption. I don't like it here. I'm tired of being afraid all the time. I've decided not to stay. Mm -hmm. Right. Oh, yeah. 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 That's Spencer Tracy's brother. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's, uh... Yes. That very What's Spencer Tracy-esque look to him back then. Yeah, but not quite as handsome. Right. Uh... Yeah, the old man that hangs himself. Brooks is here. Yeah, yeah. that's him. That's right, huh? That's him. Yep. It's kind of weird because he like uh, he's a uniformed policeman, and once he teams up with James Arness, all of a sudden he doesn't have a uniform anymore. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, hey, you got, did you get a promotion? Nobody said yeah, anything. Yeah, basically the army is just like, you've done some really great work locating these gigantic ants. You're gonna be, you're gonna come along <laughs> yeah. with us. <laughs> right. Yeah, because isn't he wearing fatigues yeah. even later? Yeah. yeah. So he has like three uniform changes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's pretty yeah. funny. He he does a hell of a service for the country. Yeah, he does. He does. Yeah. Yeah. Things uh, things were a little less formal back then, as far as <laughs> as far as uh, the paperwork goes. That's you right. Know. The dress was formal, but the paperwork was all all from just saying, "Hey, I think there's something over here you should see." Probably nothing. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> just this gigantic <laughs> carcass of a twelve foot ant. <laughs> Really fun movie, black and white, of course, it's because it's 54 and uh, low, lower budget. But, I mean, I don't know. It's probably a medium budget for its Yeah, day. yeah. Apparently, like, the, the word was that we're supposed to film it in color. And then mm -hmm. three days before, to adjust for budget, to have more budget to go further for 
the ants and the everything, effects, the way it yeah. looks and everything, they decided to go black and white and everything. And I think that black and white helps it. I was going to say the same thing. I think it, it, it benefits it because it probably would have, uh, you could have seen the seams a little more yeah. on the big animatronic ants, right? Yeah, yeah. They would have probably looked a little more off or goofy or something like right. that. And when you see them the way they are and everything, and then, sorry, but any movie that ends up incorporating somehow those uh, flamethrowers... So fucking cool, man. I know, I know. Yeah, they have those old, like, uh, World War II era, you know. Yeah. The ones they used in the film, too, were actually lent to them from the U.S. Army. They they were used in World War II, and they didn't need them anymore, so they decommissioned them and then sent them over there so they could use them for the Oh, wow. Yeah, there's that one scene too. I think it's just before it, when they when they start using the flamethrowers, where they're looking down into one of the ant holes, which is huge. Right. And there's an ant down there, and it has like um, ribs, like yep. human ribs on its little pinchers and stuff. Right. And I that. that was one of those things when I, again when I'm like eight years old, I'm like, ah, oh, sweet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he killed God, that person <laughs> and ate it. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean it has this really interesting thing it does too like the director is able like I said using that sound which that sound is basically letting you know that the monster's around it's basically the for Joel yeah right right exactly <laughs> and so he uses that sound to let you know and they have that scene uh, with the little girl who had already been through the traumatic uh, right. event and everything, she's sitting there. They're trying to ask her. She's of course got like post-traumatic she's, stress. Yeah, she's, she's in shock. She's in shock. She can't really say anything. But she, then you hear that noise, and she's just like, "Oh fuck!" <laughs> yeah, I think she, that she's the one that screams them. Right? Yeah. She starts yeah. going. Them! Yeah, one of my favorites. Watch it every couple of years. I like to watch it. Yeah. Revisit it. Is there any insects that you have a phobia of, Tim? Oh, of course <laughs> we do. If we listen to our creep show uh, show the, that we have out, uh, the, uh, yeah, I'll go into detail about my, to this day, deathly fear of cockroaches. What about you? Uh, I'm not a huge fan of spiders myself. Right. Which, yeah. Which are, I mean, it's not something that I'm like, I freak out about or anything, but I mean, if I don't have to deal with them, I'm happy about that. Right. I remember the first time I ever swore in front of my parents, I was probably about 13, 14 or something, you know, you try to keep that, you know, right. shit under wraps. You know, I'm swearing. I started swearing in kindergarten pretty much, but <laughs> I never, I didn't really swear around my parents. And, uh, I w- you know, we're living in Tucson and, and my, I think it was my mom, dad, and sister, or I have an older sister and they were sitting on the back patio there under the, under the Ramada. And, uh, I open up the screen door to walk to the back patio to meet them and they're on my right and on the other side is the chimney to the fireplace and as I'm walking out into the patio there's like this big leaf you know probably about the size of my hand on the ground that just I notice in my peripheral vision it starts (laughs) moving towards me (laughs) and I look down and it's not a leaf 
And I'm like, wait a minute, I'm in Tucson. There's no freaking leaves on the trees anyway. <laughs> there's no trees. <laughs> yeah, there's no trees. Uh, it's a fucking tarantula, you know, about the size of my hand. And Holy it's coming shit. towards my, yeah. And I started doing the high knee, like quick stepping, you know, and I, and I just went, Holy shit. <laughs> right. In front of my parents and my, my mom started cracking up and I get, I, I basically, I climbed up on top of the patio chair right. and was staring it up on the patio chair, looking down and I, pointing at it and they <laughs> my dad got up and killed it yikes <laughs> arizona huh bud <laughs> yeah haven't had that happen particularly but yeah there's some not so kind things out here the scorpions right. and the scorpions and, and the but yeah cockroaches and bugs and lizards and, and we have giant 18 foot ants here too which is really yeah annoying. right right yeah <laughs> they just with that high-pitched whistling noise <laughs> right. trying to sleep. You're like, Jesus, they're at it again. Yeah, right, right. So then, I mean, as far as large, current-day uh, largest uh, uh, insects these days, you know, you have uh, apparently uh, largest cockroach that's out there. Yeah, great. Let's hear it. <laughs> My favorite. <laughs> it uh, goes up to 38 inches yikes and then there's another one though that which is the largest recorded apparently and that thing goes up to uh 7.9 inches are you fucking kidding me uh, it's alive today or yeah. yep wow so 15 to 20 cent- centimeters or 7.9 inches right all right and it well there is a difference obviously most people would know that there's an arachnid and an a, and a insect, insect six legs, arachnid eight legs. Spiders right. and scorpions fit into the arachnids. Everything else pretty much fits into bugs, you know, insects. Right. So for some reason, we we chose to segregate them, which I think is still <laughs> ridiculous. <laughs> Racist scientists. <laughs> Uh, what was they going to say? But because the, there's tarantulas and shit that are like, right. you know, six inches across, you know, right. with their legs and all that. Yeah. Ridiculous. <laughs> Australia, South America and stuff like that. Yeah. They have apparently there's a beetle that's like 6.6 inches. Mm-hmm. And most of us guys know how big six inches is. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Someday I'll get there. <laughs> <laughs> If you're not quite there, just less than what you think is six inches. That's all I do. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So then I don't have to tie these fishing weights to my dick anymore? No, no, no. That doesn't work. I tried that for three years. It just doesn't work. (laughs) Okay. Uh, uh. And then I guess the largest earwig reported was 3.3 inches. Oh, my God. (laughs) That's fucking horrifying. (laughs) There's a giant carnivorous. I only know this because of a dubstep song. <laughs> uh, <laughs> there's a song called uh, uh, Centipede, and they uses like documentary footage or uh, narration to open the song where it talks about uh, giant carnivorous centipedes that can eat little rodents and shit like that. And it's like a foot long or something. Holy shit. As quick as lightning, just like the tarantula, it's killing. The centipede has two curved, hollow fangs, which inject paralyzing venom. Even tarantulas aren't immune from an ambush. This centipede is a predator. 
Yeah, that's like a South American thing. So that's believe it or not, there terrifying. there is a yeah I know there there is a place worse than Arizona, Derek. <laughs> <laughs> it's South America. As I don't as believe you. <laughs> a few years later, after them. Uh, I feel like this guy's riding on the ex- success of uh, the the movie Them. Uh, right. a, mo- a movie called The Beginning of the End comes out in 1957. Oh, man. A menace so massive, so overwhelming, that thousands upon thousands are propelled into senseless terror. Panic takes the place of planned evacuation, and whole cities are paralyzed by fear. Oh, what a what a great film this is! <laughs> <laughs> it's about uh, giant grasshoppers or locusts or whatever, and um, all right, yeah, all right. It stars uh, <laughs> our old pal Peter Graves. Oh man, yeah. I think that the two things that people know him from, well, probably three, and that's the airplane, airplane and Mission Impossible or yeah. biography. Right. Yeah. Right. So, yeah. Um, Peter Graves' character is a scientist who is uh, trying to, I guess, cure world hunger or something like that by <laughs> creating gigantic vegetables. Well, how do they get so big? Well, radiation causes photosynthesis. That is the, the growing process to continue night and day. Radioisotopes act as a sort of artificial sun, sun that never sets. All right. <laughs> and and uh, in the process, the uh, whatever is within the the mutated vegetables that made them huge, when the grasshoppers or locusts, I should say, the locusts eat the, those vegetables, they too become gigantic. <laughs> and. Uh, Terror ensues. Yeah, basically, it revolves around Chicago. Right. You know, uh, and um, I will say, I used to live in Texas. I don't know if you've ever lived in a place where the locusts is an issue. They had they it are in loud, obnoxious, and horrible. My first uh, or second year in Phoenix, Arizona, the uh, when I was first started working at the the first job I had there, it was we had one of those locust infestations come through where they were everywhere, eesh, and eesh. and, and uh, you know you'd go park a car or something like that, and you would just be driving over hundreds and thousands of them. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's pretty intense. Just like the Bible. Moses, this is the Lord thy God. Do you hear me? Yes, I hear you, I hear you. A deaf man could hear you. What? Nothing, I punished you, forget it. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, yes. Mm. Locusts and frogs and such. Yes, yeah, all those things. So this movie has been, is widely panned as a, as a terrible movie and it's got terrible special effects and uh <laughs> they basically used a lot of like um rear projection they yeah they use a lot of rear projection to basically put like people in frame with these insects to make them look gigantic and stuff <laughs> right and the, the one of the, the the climax scene at the end is they're in like some tower in chicago and uh, the the grasshoppers are climbing up the tower, and you can clearly tell it's a photograph of that building taken from the ground, looking up. Right. And and there's a bunch of 
just grasshoppers being encouraged to scurry along. <laughs> you see, see a hand come in for a second. Go, go, go. <laughs> uh, yeah, and then at a certain point, Peter Graves is like, got this machine gun and he's sticking it out the window and, <laughs> you know, shooting down at him. And then they flip back to this scene with the the grasshoppers on the photograph of the building and it's, it's like somebody is on the other end of the picture blowing on them to make it look like they're falling off the building <laughs> right it's hilarious man no it's it's funny so bad this is a Bert I Gordon yeah the director well, yeah right you you found this out and it's interesting to to definitely note that okay obviously the guy didn't have a whole lot of money to do this film Mm -hmm. so he got creative right and maybe it doesn't all work but his creativeness i will i will champion because he was he was doing the best with whatever with what he had and right he ended up i guess he wrote the story too right and 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 uh, uh i think what the whole story goes basically is that i think he was doing special effects on earlier films or something like that and then he ended up getting a project where he could direct his own film and and right. so because he was also in charge of the special effects that's not very <laughs> common where a director is also the special effects supervisor too right and he, he's the one that comes up with a lot of these techniques that we laugh about now right <laughs> yeah yeah and they did and they do you know it's one of those things that we you know, one of those movies when these movies get aged and they go on and we see better things and mm-hmm. stuff like that it's easy to look back on it and just be like oh my god that looks like fucking shit yeah but this guy he kind of rode this train through his whole career for the most part right. he did do some regular movies mixed in there but and uh he did a lot of giant everything you can see he's just like we're gonna crack this story eventually we've yeah. got to do it <laughs> we, yeah. giant bugs are gonna work eventually giant bugs but he also did the colossal man guy with a, it was that i've never actually seen it i've only seen clips of it i don't want to grow anymore day and night scientists search trying every experiment their brilliant minds can conceive finding the expected the unexpected and the shocking for the immeasurable power of this ever-growing mammoth portends a fate that terrifies the universe. One of the famous shots, it's a—it's this big bald guy, this big bald white guy, and he's holding like a bus or a piece of a train car over his head, and there's like people falling out of it, you know. <laughs> it's kind of like Attack of the 50-Foot Woman kind of thing. All right. He did that one, and... Uh, and it's very interesting to note, too, that Peter Graves is the real-life brother of James Arness, who was in Them. Is he really? Well, they do yeah. look alike. Yeah. I always, yeah, that's funny. (laughs) One of the things that was on the notes that I thought was interesting and kind of like a little disturbing was that apparently in this movie, over 200 grasshoppers were used during the film. Yeah. During filming. Right. They began to eat each other. (laughs) There was only like like 12 left. left. Yeah, right. There was like 12 (laughs) left that they actually used in the movie. That probably persuaded them to speed up filming. Filming, exactly. (laughs) Goddamn crazy no morals grasshoppers. Yeah, there's a couple scenes where you see the military kind of fighting these grasshoppers as they're coming in on them and all that stuff and it's very reminiscent of them from three years earlier and yeah. uh, uh, you can tell that he's kind of riding on the coattails of that movie <laughs> you know oh for sure yeah. for sure yeah but you know knowing what we know about ants there there's something a lot more sinister 
about them you know yeah and i mean you know as years go on and everything i mean i don't know about you but i know growing up and then you know as i'm adult i love the discovery and documentaries yeah, about insects right. and animals and stuff so the more you see about like how ants do all of the shit that they do and build right. all of this crap and they're just interesting without even applying any kind of story to them you right know? but you know when you apply something and and can pull it off halfway decent it, right it, it's really cool but it's a very fascist society that they live in you know oh, like, yes. like ultra For authoritarian sure. uh you know everybody has their place and everybody must do what they're told and uh, right yeah there's you don't question the the orders from above kind of thing it's just weird that hive mentality thing right we go marching one by one hurrah hurrah we yeah, and I don't know. Maybe grasshoppers have that shit. Doesn't seem like it. Just seems like they fly through stuff and yeah, eat each other. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> It'd be funny if the giant grasshoppers. That was how the end of the movie ended. You know, the beginning of the end. The, <laughs> the giant grasshoppers just, start just, eating eat, just yeah. started eating each other, and the movie's over. <laughs> hey, this problem solved itself. Hey, wow. Yeah, we just stay inside and wait it out. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Yeah, that movie's pretty ridiculous. MST3K, of course, yeah. did a famous one of uh, this movie. I mean, if you're going to watch the movie, it's probably best to watch it through the filter <laughs> of MST3K. <laughs> oh, yeah, for sure. Mm. It's way more entertaining right. without you having to make your own jokes up. As it goes <laughs> yeah, yeah. Beginning of the end already? I don't... Just started. Oh. As bad as some of these films can be, Tim, mm -hmm. uh, is there something intriguing about seeing large pests or animals killing and destroying things? Yeah. Yeah, there is. It's like that. I guess it's akin, as we were saying in the beginning of this episode, it, it's akin to the giant monster thing. It's just right. something about something so much you're so uh, vulnerable to. You know, the, right. it's like, how do you how do you overcome something like that that you know is this tiny little animal right and then uh to see it in that scale it, 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 it yeah i think and that's why when you're a kid you're like oh sweet giant yeah. fucking chinchillas or something i don't know i don't even know what a chinchilla is <laughs> whatever the movie of the week is in 1983 i'm sure if you uh, give him a budget bert i gordon could figure out how to do it <laughs> yeah you know he's still alive at 98 years old old that's bert. crazy well good for him yeah good for him So the next year, a classic comes out, and uh, I think yep. earlier in or the mid-year or whatever, uh, with Vincent Price called The Fly. Vincent Price. I'm Vincent Price. It would be unfair at this time to show you any more of what went on in that laboratory where a man actually dared to play God. You must see it with your own eyes to believe it when the fly comes your way. Uh, this one is a... Uh it's not so much like a, a gigantic fly kind of thing, but right. because of what goes wrong in the in the scientific experiment, it, it gets enlarged in a way, you know. Basically, through science, this man and this flyer. He's trying to create the teleport thing. Right, and they're fused, and he becomes a giant fly. Is basically kind of half. It's like his just his yeah. one one arm and his head gets swapped with the right. with the fly. Kind of like a he's trying to invent the Star Trek teleporter, basically. <laughs> right. Yeah. Scotty, beam me up. 
but it, it's more like a phone booth kind of thing and you go inside it and it's supposed to right. disintegrate you and reintegrate you in another place right right he goes in there's a fly in there with him he doesn't know it he goes in and they and when they come out they're re they're, they are separate and rebuild you know but they're they swap heads and legs so this little fly with his head <laughs> and, li- <laughs> and left arm or right arm or whatever go flying off right and he's stuck there with a big fly head and fly droid head <laughs> Uh, that's an inside joke so yeah i mean and and explaining it as we are right now it sounds very comical and hilarious and everything this thing was released in 58 and i'm sure it was pretty uh disturbing Mm -hmm. i mean it was a hit because it went on to spawn a sequel Mm -hmm. but i think a few i remember seeing it as a kid and uh, I had already know. I don't know how or what movie I had been introduced to Vincent Price. Mm-hmm. It might have even been Thriller. <laughs> yeah, right, right. <laughs> and you dig it? <laughs> but knowing who he was and being intrigued by the film and being kind of scared by how when it goes after the woman and mm-hmm. she sees it coming, you know, being like, oh my god, that's kind of terrifying. And then, of course, the ending scene too. Being right. Like, oh, that's awful. That that ending scene is bad. So Vincent Price isn't the fly. He is. It's basically right. like I think a work associate or something like that or a right. friend. We never actually get to see the guy. It, like, the movie starts, the accident had already happened. And uh, right. his wife is calling Vincent Price over to help him figure it out. Yeah. And then he's basically, the wife and him are spending most of the movie trying to find the little fly with the human head so that right. they can uh, they can try and swap back. Right. And it's a color movie. And so uh, uh, yeah. the two we were talking about earlier have been black and white so far. And then this is the first one like that where it's uh yeah glorious technicolor and uh, yeah and it is too if you watch anything from those the that era and they start using technicolor the the color this beams off of the, yeah. whatever device you're watching it right it's cool i guess the uh, director too what's one thing to note in the things uh the kurt newman the director i guess he directed this and didn't go on to know that it was a success because he died a week before it opened oh wow yeah yeah well Let's pour some out for, uh, what's his name again? <laughs> yeah, Kurt Newman. Kurt Newman. Newman. Hello, yeah. Newman. <laughs> yeah, and um, we should talk about, did, did the ending disturb you? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, I remember, if anything made me remember this film Yeah. I, from the first watch, it's that. Right. Being so like, oh my God, that's awful. So any, I guess the, the end result ends up being, I think he feels like he's losing control to the fly head or whatever right. <laughs> and he ends up crushing himself in a uh, a big pr- hydraulic press after the funeral or whatever the fuck it is right. vincent price is sitting down on the bench or whatever and sure enough there's a <laughs> he looks over he hears this little And he and he turns and he looks and there's a spider web and a bush, and the fly with his buddy's head on it is getting stuck <laughs> is stuck in the spider web and the spider's coming to kill him. Yeah. And Vincent Price picks up a rock and basically kills them both before the spider can get to him. And right. That was the one thing that 
if anything made me remember to want to watch it again it's how fucked up i thought the ending was and yeah i was like oh i gotta watch that again yeah <laughs> it's it's like almost comical at first when you right. hear the no, the, it is. the guy going help me you know right. that high-pitched voice and then you see his head on the but then you're like wait a minute and you start to think yeah. about it and you're like yeah oh my god that's awful <laughs> and yeah the, the spider slowly coming, coming towards, towards him yeah, uh, yeah. Uh. so especially if you have a phobia towards spiders too that's uh that's another one of those things it's just kind of like yeah god the only thing that doesn't really make sense about it <laughs> <laughs> if I'm really gonna get break this down into reality here, they swapped brains. So technically, the fly would have human intelligence, and the man with the fly head would be a fly head. He wouldn't be able to write letters to his wife and right. try and figure out how to fix himself. He he would be a fly head. He would be trying to eat shit and <laughs> make maggots. Maybe it's that thing that happened in Young Frankenstein where they both got... Yeah, a little, a little bit, bit of, of each, each other. other. Right. Yeah. But they swapped the whole head. <laughs> My name, it's pronounced Frankenstein. But if he was a fly, if he was a little fly <laughs> with a human head, I'm, I'm, I'm going right. to keep going with this. He is a little fly with a human head. He'd be like, I better get back to the laboratory rather than worrying right. about, uh, you know, his wife trying to catch him in a net. Right. <laughs> Technically, he would land on her shoulder and go, hey, bitch. I'm down here. And then <laughs> she uh, Yeah, exactly. Kill it. <laughs> so, but it's still a fun movie. Yeah. Yeah, no, for sure. Up until that moment and then Tim was just like, "Wait a Wait second. Wait a second. Here. This is a flawed concept." <laughs> and Tim's he he swipes all of the dinner off the table <laughs> at the time and he's yep. just like, "This is not making a lick of sense." No. Nope. And now a word from us. Ooh, my favorite peeps. So let's say you want to reach out to us, ask us some questions, or make comments that are not negative and mean. No, no, we're very sensitive. Or if you want to participate in some of the questions we ask each other on the show, answer them so we can see your answers. Right. Boy, am I right. If we, if you're going to try and look for us on Instagram or Facebook, it is TFTFP Podcast. And if you're looking for us on Twitter, it's Podcast. TFTFP. Right. Yeah, and we also have... Yes, yes. ...a shiny, mm-hmm. spick and span little email address Ooh. that goes by the name of tftfppodcast at gmail.com. Mm, rolls right off the tongue, it does. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. also... Like, subscribe, and review us because that helps us with the algorithm thing. <laughs> that everybody else says and I'm supposed to say. Spoken like a true professional, Tim. So later that year, our buddy Bert I. Gordon was at it again. And um, he made a movie called Earth versus the giant spider. Yes. A horrifying spectacle. Its existence shocks and fascinates the world of science. Its gigantic claws capable of crushing a man or tearing a woman apart as if she were a fly. But because of the popularity of the fly a few months earlier, 
<laughs> they changed the posters and all the press work for it to just the spider to sound like the, the fly. fly. Right, okay. Right. But when you go in and sit down and you, the movie starts rolling, it was, it was already in the can, so they didn't yeah. change it. The title was Earth versus the Spider, and then it became known as that. I watched this movie about six months ago, and I'm not even sure why. I just thought, hey, you know. <laughs> right. Big Giant spider, spider movie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Let's, let's check it out. And it's, it's uh, this one they don't really give an explanation as to uh, how it got big or whatever. But Oh, don't you worry. We'll bring rifles in case we run into that spider. <laughs> something to do with uh, this girl going to find something in a cave. I think her father was lost in the cave or something like that. And uh, so her and her boyfriend take his sweet little Model A hot rod or whatever it is down there. That's right. the one cool part about the movie is the, the hot rod he's ri- driving. They go and down. he's 35 playing a teenager, apparently. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that doesn't surprise me. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, the, the, uh, they go to the cave. There's a big spider down there, blah, 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 blah. They get the sheriff and the townsfolk and all that shit, and we're like, let's get a bunch of DDT and spray this thing. <laughs> so they do, and it flips on its back and curls its legs up, and they're like, all right, well, why don't we drag it down to the high school and put it on in display down there, which is like, what? Why are you doing that? <laughs> And I can't remember exactly what happens, but something happens. I think maybe it's the music playing in the kids' rock band. These kids in their rock music. How dare they? It disturbs the spider, and it wakes back up and starts destroying the town. I think Fonzie walks up to it and goes, hey, and hits it on the side, and then it comes yeah, back to right. life. Yeah, right. Hey, say, that's a nice trick. Oh, it ain't no trick. It's a gift. He's graduated to a better insect or arachnid. Yeah, right. Yeah. You know, he went from grasshoppers, grasshoppers to, to spider. Spiders. Yeah. Spider. Like I say, you know, I you, you put a spider in your movie, there is a creep element of it that's kind of like, eh. yeah. Especially when you add it's giant or whatever. Not saying that this movie is successful at that, but God damn it, Bert I. Gordon's giving it a shot. <laughs> yeah. Well, and the thing is, is the large scenes when the spider's like walking through town and stuff, the transfer on the rear projection doesn't work very well. And it's basically just looks like a big shadow of a spider. You know what I mean? There's like no detail of it. It's just like big black lines and a right where at least at the grasshoppers, you could see that they were grasshoppers, you know? Yeah. This will become another issue with him later on in another movie. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Right. And get the governor on the phone. Tell him we've got to have troops from Fort Brown. Also, flamethrowers and artillery. Tell them we need DDT. No good. That stuff just stunned it. All right, Dave, on your way. So what do you think about insects and arachnids and all that stuff? Is it because of the way they look that everybody seems to be so naturally scared of them? Yeah, I would think so. Like, we see them from the view that we have of them, which is usually if it's a spider, it's up in the corner somewhere of the ceiling or maybe crawling around really quickly. Uh, ants, you know, they're tiny. We don't really get up and, and really inspect them. But when you get into, you see documentaries about them and you start to see what they really look like. They use those magnifying cameras yeah. to really get in there and show you what the, the face, you know, the face and the head and everything looks like. Yeah, they're pretty terrifying looking, you know? Yeah, because everything that's like on our scale are, are right. mostly mammals and fish and reptiles, right? And right. we can all kind of put the four legs and, you know, or, right. you know, the head and a tail kind of thing going, but with an insect or an arachnid or uh, arthropod, uh, they, they, um, they're basically alien to us, which is why I think so many aliens 
uh, and come down to kind of an insectoid design. Exactly. Mm-hmm. I was just about to head that. I remember being you know, younger, mm-hmm. so I, 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 you know, 10, 11, 12, somewhere around in there, and that was the first time I ever heard War of the Worlds, the Orson Welles. Mm-hmm. The uh, metal casing is definitely extraterrestrial. Uh, not found on this earth. Friction with the earth's atmosphere usually tears holes in a meteorite. This thing is smooth and you can see it's cylindrical shape. Something's happening. Ladies and gentlemen, this is terrific. This end of the thing is beginning to flake off. The top is beginning to rotate like a screw and the thing must be hollow. The radio play that Orson Welles does and I remember in my mind, and I don't know why, because I'm pretty sure that they describe what the aliens look, look like. like. Right. But I remember distinctly thinking of them as insect-like, mm-hmm. and being even more. It's making myself scared. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right. 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 <laughs> well, and I think too, there's probably some sort of genetic engraving into being afraid of them. Yeah. Because the spiders especially are, can be poisonous and deadly, you know, we right. seem to be repulsed by animals that have poisonous, Yeah. you know, and that's probably through natural selection, you know? Okay, yeah, of course. Yeah. Unless you're just hungry and you want to go and see if a blowfish will kill you by trying to eat a part <laughs> of it. <laughs> right. <laughs> Why not? Yeah, yeah. And pay like a thousand dollars to do it. <laughs> it's like putting a hit out on yourself. <laughs> <laughs> it is actually, yeah. <laughs> the next year we have a uh, we're gonna switch to a, a big lizard, and uh, it's uh, the giant Gila monster. 1959. What is this black menace that kills everything it sees and hears? No human mind could imagine the enormous destructive power of this maddened, killing thing. If you're young people in love, look out. I can see the um, the fear for some people. Uh, I've never been afraid of lizards. Mm-hmm. I remember being a kid and grabbing them and yeah. trying to hold on to them or whatever. And they, they're just so quick you can't uh, hold on to them. But I, I can see the the fear that some people have because I've known several people that are so freaked out by it. They won't go near it. If they know they're in a room, they won't go in there, you know. And uh, so I could see how someone could pitch this idea and say, you know, especially with uh, all of the stuff that had come before it, like Godzilla and stuff. Mm-hmm. And so when you pitch this idea and then you say, but here's here's the deal. Mm-hmm. We're going to have a real lizard play the yeah. Godzilla part. Right, right. Yeah. And um, I don't, have you ever seen a heel the monster? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're pretty, yeah. pretty big. They're like about a, yeah. a foot and a half long, and and they're kind of stocky. You know, they're not like yep. your little push-up lizard that you see standing no. sunbathing on the rocks. Right. Gila monsters, I believe, are if not only one of the only poisonous lizards. Um, and you can tell by they they have that triangular shaped head, which is the giveaway on. Um, uh, snakes too if they have that triangular shaped head that's how you know they're venomous because that's where the the venom glands are is in that the triangular bulges right uh, but they don't have teeth they just they, they have like a regular lizard mouth and they just they gnaw the poison into you but uh and I think they're black with like orange speckled spots and stripes kind of thing, you know. Right. The thing about this movie that came out in 1959 is, uh, I, I'm assuming they didn't want to have to deal with 
trying to handle and wrangle an actual venomous lizard. Right. So <laughs> they re they actually use uh, a, what's called a Mexican bearded lizard, which looks very similar, but of course, because it's not poisonous, the head is not quite as aggressive looking and, and all that. R but but right. it has kind of some slightly similar markings and it's black you know like they are like they are but because it's black and white you can't tell uh, uh if it's the right color or not i'm sure especially you know we're coming from a, a society of of having a ton of information at our fingertips where this was released in what did you say 59 yeah yeah where yeah. people are just like that's ah, fucking lizard whatever throw it in there. <laughs> exactly <laughs> now again of course me uh, me being the diehard car guy the cool thing about this movie is the hero is a hot rodder and uh and there's a lot more hot rods in it than um than there is in earth versus the spider <laughs> it's basically f following this guy who builds hot rods for his friends and all of his friends have hot rods and all that stuff Right. And, uh, yeah, for whatever reason, he's pals with the cop. And he's like, he's a, he, he owns a mechanic shop, so he has a tow truck and all that stuff. And he's helping the cop figure out where all these people are disappearing to and all that stuff. All these cars are abandoned on the side of the road because uh, I guess the lizard's getting them. And uh, it's a really bad movie. In fact, the, the way, <laughs> the way I, I had to watch it through Mystery Science Theater. So. Right. I'll eat him with relish. <laughs> Lizard jokes. <laughs> Father Beans. My dad had always told me about the movie because of the hot rods and stuff, because he was a hot rodder back in the day. Well, what year did Godzilla come out? 54. So this is probably playing off of the success of that, I would imagine. Yeah, I get, probably. You're probably right, yeah. They kind of scale it up to where, you know, using miniatures and shit like that. and Right. To where it would probably be about 25 feet in length or something like that. Right. This is another one we're going back into. It's black and white, isn't it? Yes. Yeah, so we're going back into black and white. Mm -hmm. for this one mm -hmm. and uh that that does fix a, a little bit of the issue of of the depth of perception when they shoot a lot of the giant stuff mm -hmm. they do the the old thing of you know let's film it a little slower mm -hmm. and so when it com comes into certain areas or the way they're filming it's it supposed comes to give it scale somehow yeah, yeah, yeah it yeah, gives I, it scale right. yeah it gives like it weight it gives it weight right All right yeah and uh so again, this is one of those ones that, uh, <laughs> for story, no, you can't really look to it as that. Wow, that was really entertaining. But if you're into like technique and stuff like that, you got to give them kind of credit for for being creative. It seemed like it was trying to make a star out of this hot rodder guy too, because <laughs> he also right. was a rock and roller, and uh, you know he's like he and and he has this song that he plays twice through the thing, and I, uh, you know, and it's like this weird. <laughs> song about children, children laugh lord said laugh children laugh the lord said laugh children laugh the lord said laugh, laugh. you know and he's playing on a ukulele <laughs> it's like they're trying to make a, a rock star out of him you know like elvis part two right and he's I, like hey it, everyone calm down calm down let me sing you a little song yeah <laughs> exactly <laughs> right right <laughs> And the children said, let them laugh, 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 or something like that. What do you think about when, because after this, later on, uh, yeah, outside of Japan, this kind of becomes a regular thing in a lot, especially in a lot of the Disney uh, monster movies and stuff like that, uh, where they start using 
actual lizards as dinosaurs or something like that where they put like scales on them right how do you feel that compares to um the japanese shit where there's a guy in a rubber suit standing upright or on all fours with the godzilla suits and mm-hmm. stuff like that men in in monster suits you automatically go into it with perceived tone mm-hmm. in your head so you can easily dip into that if you're giving into it. I mean, if you're if you're you know crossing your arms going into one of those movies, you're not going to enjoy it anyway. So what right. the fuck is the point? Right. But if you're a fan of those films and you go into them and everything, I think it's easy to suspend disbelief and enjoy yourself and and really get into the concept of it. Whereas when it is a real <laughs> when it's something like this, when you whether you're using Gila monsters or bunnies, yeah, it's hard to take yourself out of seeing a real thing and thinking, oh, that's right next to a model. Yeah, or, right, you know, right. You know what I mean? Right. I feel like though, and there, there's a few cases though, um, like specifically in Journey to the Center of the Earth with um, James Mason. Right, ladies and gentlemen, this is James Mason. Come along with Pat Boone and me, Arlene Dole, Diane Baker, and Gertrude the Duck, and discover sights and sounds and wonders no living man has ever witnessed before, filmed in the incomparable magic of Cinemascope. There's a scene where they get to, they finally do get to the center of the earth, and they have what they are calling Demetrodons, which is like a, a proto-dinosaur that existed a long time ago in the beginning of the whole dinosaur thing. Right. It was basically like a, it would look like a giant lizard with a big sail on its back, right? Right. And right. what they did was they took a lizard and put a giant sail on its back in that. And right. it, it actually works relatively well in that in that movie. Right. Because I just watched well, it like four or five months ago. and it, The movie was kind of boring, but I'm like, well, that Demetrodon thing actually kind of looks <laughs> all right. Right. But yeah, most yeah. of the time, it's pretty ridiculous. Yeah, and I mean, also, uh, you, you take uh, powerful, even back then, mm-hmm. whenever that movie came out, you take something like Disney. Disney's mm-hmm. going to do it up the best they can. They're mm-hmm. not going to use some schlocky person to come in and say, uh, I don't know, throw some paper on it and let's put it in front of the camera. You right, know what I mean? right. They're going to take their time because they're spending a lot of money on the project anyway. So maybe, I mean, if they're doing it and they're taking their time and making it look as good as they possibly can, and they're using really good equipment and stuff, but They also mostly. chose the right animal, too, because there's other ones where they're like, that's a Trianosaurus, and it's on all fours, you know? Right. <laughs> you know, you're like, right. no, it's not. That's a lizard with a... <laughs> you put little plastic fangs on it. Right. That probably goes back to, like I say, we have, we're in a, a society right now where we're inundated with information. And back right. then it was just like, wow, dinosaur. Unless you didn't buy something from the door-to-door uh, book salesman selling yeah. encyclopedias, you, right. you weren't going to know this shit. Right, right, right. <laughs> yeah, that's true. So we're going from 59 to 72. Yeah. yeah. Talk about a leap. Right, right, right. We're going to take a big jump now to 19 and 72, the year I was born, and um, talk about a really prime piece of film here. (laughs) This is about as good as it gets. What movie are we talking about? Only good things were born in 72. You and Night of the Leapers. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) What is the terrifying mutant? that strikes from behind the shroud of night. 
that night of the Lepus. Again, taking place in your home state of Arizona. That's right. So it was funny enough that uh, <laughs> Night of the Lepus is about <laughs> giant rabbits. Or actually, I should say giant bunnies. These are bunnies. <laughs> you know, a rabbit is a lean right. survival machine out in the right. in the wild and all that yep. stuff. Bunnies are like domesticated rabbits, and they get soft and fluffy, kind of cute and <laughs> yeah. fluffy looking, kind of like the way pigs do the same thing. You, you you let a wild pig out, it'll grow tusks and hair and all this shit. And right. This is the opposite of that. Right? It's domesticated rabbit. It's not very muscular. It's not very. It's very like you said, soft and fluffy. I will name him George, and I will hug him and pet him and squeeze him. I'm not a bunny rabbit. And that's what they used in this movie is a bunch of domesticated rabbits or bunnies you know look don't go bad mouth on this director because this director did episodes of bonanza <laughs> yeah he did eight is enough oh no eight is enough to fill our lives with love. little house on the prairie oh all of my favorites and fame <laughs> i'm gonna live forever i'm gonna learn so Night of the Lepus is basically talking about, like, um, throwing the ecology out of balance and when, like, certain animals infest an area, you know what I mean? Right. And I, so, well, here's, here's one of those things I was kind of talking about earlier with the difference between guys in costume and then using real animals is, okay, this movie— Has a little bit of both. Yeah, yeah, it has a little bit of both, but here's what it does that I think is really works against it is it plays everything deadly serious. Yes, it totally does. If it doesn't give you a chance to laugh at the absurdity of it, then <laughs> it's instantly going to be even more funny. Yeah, right. This imbalance also takes place in the animal world. This film, which our researchers have gathered together, was shot in Australia in 1954, where a plague of rabbits has been and still is a threat. Rabbits so numerous that they threaten man's existence by devouring his crops, killing animals, and destroying property. Yeah, because it has, you know, Rory Calhoun and uh, Janet Lee of Psycho fame. And That's right. Stunt casting right there. They were yeah. just like, we got to get someone that people yeah. know right. from something good. <laughs> and the, the, idea, yeah, the idea is, is these, I think they say a rancher had been breeding domesticated bunnies. And he had thousands of them or something like that. And they broke loose, is what he said. And, and uh, <laughs> this other rancher. And now they're infesting all these ranch lands and eating up all the crops. And, you know, they can't feed their horses and blah, 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 blah. <laughs> so this they call up this guy. And the scientist guy, the local guy, is uh, DeForest Kelly from Star Trek. He played... Uh, right. yeah, um, Bones. Bones, right. Dr. Yeah. Bones. A little less analysis and more action. That's what we need, Mr. Spock. He's friends with this other guy in a college that's been doing these, like, hormonal therapy things or something. I don't know. And he comes up with the idea of rather than using something poisonous like cyanide and ruin the ecology even further. Right. Why don't we use hormones to screw up their breeding cycle so that they'll stop breeding like rabbits? <laughs> dun, 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 dun. And of course, his stupid little terrible actress daughter. What are you doing that for, Daddy? I'm trying to record their sound. 
likes one of the rabbits that's getting the hormones injected in it and she ends up uh, taking it for herself in a, in a little switcheroo game and the minute <laughs> she's the minute she's back on the ranch the, something happens where it gets scared and she drops it and it goes and runs off with the other ones and then somehow within pretty much a day <laughs> there are giant rabbits everywhere this because this one had bred a thousand times and grown to seven and a half eight feet tall or whatever doctor rabbits as big and as ferocious as wolves it is inconceivable the genetic code of every living thing is contained in each cell of that organism now assuming inadvertently we introduce defective cells into that one rabbit it's conceivable that we could have created the seeds for a mutated species. Amanda saw huge rabbits. It's just, it's just too hard to believe, and I don't think I'll be able to, not until I've seen one. There's an explanation for it, and yeah. they say these, this, this word. Abacadabra! <laughs> yeah, right. Total <laughs> magic. This, it, this movie is absolutely hilarious <laughs> it's hilarious and they do the same they use a noise for these rabbits i don't know right. how to describe it it's almost like this high-pitched mumbling yeah kind of the way them did to let you know that they're around and uh <laughs> you know and then plus the stampeding noises of big right. animals you know and yeah uh, some of the scenes are so fucking funny they're just like they're trying to make these things they're bunnies they're not rabbits so they're like these little <laughs> you know, like soft little fluffy things and they're trying to make them mean and scary and they'll they, they keep doing these close-up shots of them with their teeth exposed like they're like they're snarling like a wolf right and they just look ridiculous they look so ridiculous and there's so much fake blood in this movie you know where the after yeah because like you said they used trick photography to make them look big against miniatures right. but when a human gets attacked it's essentially it's a guy in a bunny suit just kind of <laughs> barely in frame right. you know what i mean you can't see you just yeah. see the arms and a bit of the head right batting at them and and then they'll flop to that exposed teeth <laughs> close-up with with fake blood all over the bunny it's right. so fucking funny yeah, it's basically a guy in an Easter Bunny costume yeah. off camera just slapping some people around. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right. And I feel like probably some rabbits got killed doing this. Oh, yeah, for sure. This yeah. was in a time where, the, you know, you're not going to call anyone and be like, hey, let's make sure that these these animals are taken care of on this set. Right. And just like, hey, we got to set a few of these things on fire for the last scene. What are we going to do? Well, we'll set a fucking rabbit on fire. Of course. <laughs> yeah, well, who cares, right? Of course you realize this means war. So, yeah, and, and they they when, when they're getting shot, you know, by some of the ranchers trying to survive and stuff, they I don't know what they do to surprise them, you know, like the bunnies yeah yeah but they somehow like jolt them like with i don't know electricity or something but they like the one that's getting shot they basically jumps out of screen yeah yeah oh yeah but they they use again like you were saying before they use the slow motion to kind of give you that yep. mass the weight of the animal yep how big it is coming around there's a scene where <laughs> the woman is in the shop in town yeah and she can hear them coming right and then you slowly see them coming around the corner and there's, yeah. there's buildings in the foreground the bunnies are coming around it and they're moving in slow motion and everything and as far as how it's filmed it looks credible yeah it's just it's ridiculous what you're looking at yeah why would why oh, how are you supposed to be afraid it's like yeah 
the scenes that are threatening are the most non-threatening threatening <laughs> scenes I've ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> if they were big rabbits, right, that would be kind of. It would still right. be dumb. Yeah. But there's something more menacing about like a hare, right. you know, like one of those sinewy jackrabbits that's like lean and muscular and right. it still would be stupid. They probably couldn't control those. Then. No, no, you can't. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> that's the problem. They're just like, what can we control? Uh, look at those fat rabbits over there. <laughs> yeah. The fat bunnies. Yeah. I can't believe <laughs> this somehow got money financing. It's one of those things that's back then that, okay, disaster films are big. Right. You know, the swarm is probably somewhere around this time and era. So 77 to 79 era, I think, yeah. for the swarm and stuff. Anything I think anyone can make menacing that's an animal or an insect can throw in front of the camera and make really cheap, it's probably going to get financed. You know? Right, if, right. If you could say, I can make this killer giant bunny film and i can make it for two hundred thousand dollars and i can get janet lee from psycho to be yeah right probably right. gonna be someone well you, you, there's that south park episode where the, the two-parter where the giant guinea pigs are taking over everything right. yeah you yeah. know it's been three days now since the guinea pigs and the guinea bees attacked guinea rabbits are still everywhere along with a few guinea panthers we've taken shelter at the outback steakhouse there's sharon and shelly Say hey, guys. It's all, it's just as comical as that episode. Yeah. That movie is because a guinea pig and a bunny are just about the most non threatening animals on the planet. So right. even if you make them giant, they're just going to sit in the road and try and eat vegetables. Right. And they just look like Cadbury Easter Bunny. Exactly. No bunny knows Easter better than Cadbury. So do you think. Uh, the lesser of these films that we're discussing is due to budget or just a bad story? I think it's both. Right. They probably can't get the money because it's a bad story, but they kind of convinced some stupid producer to put up, <laughs> I'll give you $50,000, you know? Right. Yeah. yeah. I want a big explosion at the end. <laughs> <laughs> Bella's going to be in a small part. Though. Small part. <laughs> yeah. All right. Let's shoot this fucker. Well, is there a way to make rabbits terrifying, do you think? No. <laughs> the only thing I can think of. Right. It's like the only other time I've ever seen, like, rabbits' teeth be threatening is in Monty Python. You uh, kid. <laughs> <laughs> I saw my arm and I was so scared. Look, that rabbit's got a vicious street a mile wide. It's a killer. The bunny is, the little bunny's eating, and it's, uh, look at how funny that scene is. Yeah, you exactly. <laughs> but, but the fangs and all that <laughs> shit, you know. <laughs> I think you've put that point to bed. Yeah, pretty much. I think we're done talking about the uh, <laughs> Night of the Lepus. And the rabbits? Jackie said yesterday he saw some new rabbit burrows north of the water hole. But nothing like they used to be. Well, survival of the fittest. Had you ever seen this movie before? I know I saw part of it. Yeah. And I think I maybe saw part of it due to a compilation 
Halloween video that they used to make and put out, like in the stores back in the like late nine or eight, early nineties, I want to say. Right, right, right. And I think it was a part of something like that because I I had seen the part with the store owner before where she gets attacked and they're running through town. Yeah. And and thinking like, what is this from? Is this a real movie kind of thing? And, right. And, and being actually kind of intrigued to kind of figure out what it was, but yeah. not enough to really seek it out. Right. Yeah, I, me and my sister actually watched it more as like young adults. Like I'm a probably a late teenager, and she's in her mid twenties. Right. And we kind of came across it one night watching TV and just started laughing. And <laughs> you know, this was before Mystery Science Theater came out because this was in the it was about the same time actually in the early nineties, and uh, we're just like talking shit all the way through and making jokes you know right and uh it's one we had fondly remembered for decades <laughs> and then so but i did actually rewatch it for this right. recording about a week ago or whatever and that's the first time i really i, I didn't remember much from the first i just remembered the ridiculousness and some of the uh, something about that camper truck too stuck in my head right right the one that janet lee's stuck in with her stupid bad actress daughter not jamie lee yeah no it wasn't jamie lee curtis <laughs> it was we would have been much better off if it was jamie lee curtis yeah what's the boogeyman as a matter of fact it was but then if we move on to the next one that comes from our good old friend Bird again. Yeah, it does. And in 77, he's going to get rid of the spiders and get rid of the grasshoppers, and he's going to go for ants. Of all history's prophets, none has a greater degree of credibility than H.G. Wells. With his predictions of moon landings, ray guns, sonic signaling devices, is Wells right again in his prediction of dangers to come in Empire of the Ants? Basically... After all these years of trying to make movies as successful as them, he just says, right. well, maybe I just ought to do them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, of course, by this time, you know, we're in color, you know. Yeah. So, uh, and the funny, uh, Joan Collins is in this, and she's it's like pre-Dynasty or whatever the show she was on. Yeah. Was it Dynasty or Falcon Crest? I don't whatever know. Whatever it was. Yeah. But... Uh, it's it's weird to see her play a bitch. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so out of place. <laughs> yeah, so out of place. So yeah. strange. And by the way, Captain, try and give us the smoothest possible trip, will you? We don't want any of our prospective buyers getting seasick. Yes, ma'am. Thick people do not buy property. Yeah, the movie the movie actually opens with this kind of like almost documentarian type yeah. uh, explanation of ants colonies and how they communicate through pheromones and all right. that stuff, basically setting up the movie for later. But and 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 their ruthless nature and all that stuff. And this is the ant. Treat it with respect, for it may very well be the next dominant life form of our planet. Sound incredible? Impossible? Have you ever taken a good, close look at what the ant is all about? Pheromones give an order that cannot be disobeyed. It's a mind-bending substance that forces obedience. But we don't have to worry about it. That's business better left to the ants. And going to a quick little personal story is, is when I first saw this movie, I barely remembered anything until we 
decided to do this and we rewatched it, but I got the memory flashback as when that when the movie opens and it has that scene of the documentarian thing that you're talking about. Yeah. I remember the first time I saw it, I was very young and thinking it was a documentary. Oh yeah, about ants. ants. And then right. when it goes into this other thing, I'm like, wait a minute, what the hell's going on? Like, I want to watch more <laughs> yeah. about the ants. Right, right. Yeah. But the thing is, is the the announcer in this part, the opening scene, he's he is kind of doing almost like a uh, <laughs> the creep from uh, a Creep Show. You know, he's right. kind of inflexuating his voice about yeah. the horror of the animals. <laughs> it's basically it it's takes, an H.G. Wells novel. Well, that's the short story. That's the thing. Is it? it I know it's not. <laughs> yeah. It claims to be. Yeah, so it says it's from H.G. Wells, which is, I guess, I don't even understand why that would be a gimmick to try to pull more people in. Because it has nothing to do with anything H.G. Wells has done. Right. It just uses that as a title to, I guess, get people in. Maybe that's what he's thinking. Well, he did write a, a thing called Empire of the Ants as a right. short story. But it's, right. they weren't giant or whatever, I don't think. And they Yeah. It, it, it has nothing to do with what this movie is about, which is right. about Joan Collins being a bitch. Yeah. <laughs> and she's like a land developer that's selling shitty land yeah. to these unsuspecting people that they've invited to this area. It's like Glengarry Glen Ross. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because only one thing counts in this life. Get them to sign on the line which is dotted. Uh, but little do they know that something's happened offshore. They've been dumping... Toxic waste or something. Yeah. Nuclear and waste or something. One of them washes up on this area. The beach of the area, yeah. Yeah, and the ants get in this silver icing or whatever it is that's leaking <laughs> out of it. It looks like mercury. It probably killed them. Yeah, yeah. Or I'm silver paint. I'm sure it probably was. The ants are huffing that silver paint. <laughs> we it's like Louisiana Swampland or something. That's the premise. They're, they're in this area. They're trying to sell this shitty land, and then these ants get into this toxic waste that's washed up, and then they the ants grow humongous, right. and terror ensues. Right. And they're not, this is, again, continuing with Bert's uh, rear projection thing. Right. He's, he is using some animatronic ants for the attack scenes, kind of the same way Night of the Lepus was done. Right. But doing the, uh, enlarging the overlay of making the ants look big. But, you know. Right. Some of those scenes are kind of creepy, though, because of the way yeah. they, they pile onto each other and just kind of like yeah because they're, they're real ants yeah yeah some of the things that they he actually uses in this work actually pretty well yeah when it doesn't work well is when it's people looking off to the left of the screen right and they're screaming and they're yeah. about a good six feet away from a pile of ants right that, that you can tell are shot and magnifying right right and it doesn't mesh well with It doesn't well with mesh the, at all. Yeah. yeah. It doesn't match. And so you can just see the people screaming off to not, pretty much nothing. And then yeah. there's a magnifying, you know, little drop box of <laughs> ants over right. to the side of them. The weird thing, too, is the uh, the guy who plays the police chief in the show Chips from the early <laughs> 70s or late 70s, He's yeah. he, he plays this antagonistic. Look, uh, why don't we take a look around? See if this place is for real. Well, I don't think your wife would like that. Uh, we have different interests. 
creepazoid guy who comes oh, with it. He comes man. with his wife, and yeah. then there's this hot blonde that's also a part of the purchasing party, and yeah. he pulls her off into the woods somewhere just outside of the where the ants are congregating and basically tries to rape her. Come on, you know what I'm talking about. Let me go, you yeah, like legit. Yeah. Like she has to kick him in the balls to get right. him to stop attacking her. Right. Yeah. It's really a product of its time because yeah. I don't think that shit would fly today. I mean, even yeah. just socially. But I, I feel yeah. like it's back in the time where you're supposed to, you know, no means yes twice, you know? Right. It's definitely one of those things, too, where the writer, you could tell the writer's just like, I'm going to write. Fem- uh, as a feminist and you know yeah. she's going to kick him in the balls and then when someone comes up she's not going to press charges she's just going to say no everything is fine and give him a dirty look and then walk away and you're like <laughs> right, wait what right. <laughs> why aren't you pressing charges <laughs> who wrote this Harvey Weinstein let's be let, <laughs> let's be real if, if the guy was arrested he'd only go to jail for like a month I mean back then I don't know if he'd even go to jail <laughs> yeah he'd be like slap on the wrist all right don't yeah you mean Stop. you couldn't close this deal? Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, the cop, yeah. the cop would be humiliating him. <laughs> yeah, it was just—it's just, just kind of weird the time. You yeah, know, going, stepping back in time and watching a movie from this era. And, and it's and literally in the first like 15 minutes uh, of the film. Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah, I know. And then he turns out to be this big puss because uh, yeah. once the ants start coming, he's just like panicky and, and right. freaking Let's out. Right, his wife and die and runs he, away. And yeah, but, right. Doesn't try to save her. No. And then no, he's freaking no. out on the boat about it, you know, like, I I couldn't save her, you know? Yeah, yeah. One of the things that he does, oh, good old Bert does in this film, Bert I. Gordon, yeah. is he... Uh, he does that thing with the noise again to let you know that the ants are watching. They do this. It is a very similar. It's like a screaming. Like right. It's like a woman. I kept yeah. wondering. Like there, it was a little bit of the them thing with the wah wah yeah. oscillating yeah. noise on top of a person's. Yeah, because I kept that took that threw me out too. I kept thinking, is that the person being attacked screaming? Yeah. Or is it, <laughs> and then later on, there's no person being attacked yeah, and it's still they, screaming. <laughs> yeah, and I'm like. like ah! <laughs> His <laughs> ants I'm like, are screaming. Why did they add that? Yeah. Well, but we got to get to the end, though. The end is absolutely ridiculous. All right. They make it to the town that is established on this island, on the other yeah. side of the forest that they had to run through that was infested with ants. And, um. Right. Everybody's acting weird, not being helpful. They can't rent a car, blah, 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 right? And right. it turns... It's yeah. like Halloween 3. <laughs> yeah, it kind of is. Yeah, it's very similar to that. And um, it's what it turns out is the people are actually... You know, there's this big sugar plantation thing going on there. That's what's basically the lifeblood of the town. Right. And uh, it turns out that the... The ants have basically used their pheromones on the people <laughs> to zombify them, the townspeople and make them work for them. Right. That's why it's called Empire of the Ants, right? Right. And they have to get sprayed by the queen uh, with their pheromones like daily to keep the shit up. Right. And they basically, our heroes are captured by the policemen and forced in line to be... F- pheromone sprayed 
Oh my God! It it is really it really it, it, you know it's like a normal bad big ant movie. Yeah. You know before that, and right. then you get to this part of it, and you're like, what? Because you have the 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 sheriff is basically expositioning the shit out of what they're doing <laughs> while the people are getting sprayed. He's like, yeah, they tell us what to do, and she comes here, and you know, right? He's holding like six pages. He's like, hold on, I got to get through five more pages here. Stay, stay put. <laughs> <laughs> it's exactly like that. He's like, let me let me get some honey water before you know before I start yeah. this eight <laughs> eight minute speech. He's got one of those things to moisten his fingers. So so he can turn the page. <laughs> There's enough sugar there to feed an army, and they turn out that much every day. That's the thing that I, I bet anything that <laughs> when good old Bert was writing this, he was just like, this is what's going to set us apart. Yeah, right. Yeah. The ants are controlling us, the people, and they're going to take over the world. And then it's the sugar plantation part of it was to feed the ants. Right. Of course. Yeah. Brilliant. I think there was like a big steam whistle that went off, and that yeah. was like a signal for the ants to come, <laughs> come and have your sugar. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then you see them sliding down the brontosaurus's back, going. Damn it. Damn it. Damn it. Oh man, it's ridiculous. So, do you think that the hive mentality uh, is intriguing outside of these films, like? In documentaries and stuff. Yeah, well, because and and like we were saying, how it translates to alien films. And think of the film Alien. They basically they use the hive mentality thing with the the queen and the uh, queen xenomorph and the uh, you know the warriors and the, all the different right. jobs they have. No, there is something creepy about it. There's you know because bees do that thing too, where they uh, they shake their butt and wiggle around right. and and m to map out to show the other bees you know like this many shakes of my ass means turn left here. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I, I just think that this movie didn't find traction because it unfortunately came out the same year as Star Wars, and, and, <laughs> and Star Wars just beat it, I think, yeah, out-campaigned right. it. <laughs> what are you going to do? Yeah. The effects were on par. Yeah. No, it's, Lucas is just the jerk, and just yeah. the release first. Right. And ruined it for everyone. Because we could be sitting right now watching Disney Plus Empire, Empire of the, of the Ants. Ants instead of Empire Strikes Back. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> There's one. Set for stun. No, I think that the high mentality thing is strange. Yeah. Yeah. It's creepy. It's intriguing. And, yeah, I, and no matter how much I watch, I've seen uh, tons of documentaries on like bees and ants and all of that stuff, how they react and how they follow orders and all of this stuff. And it's still just intriguing to me to watch a new one. Yeah, right, right. Beneath the thatch of spruce needles lies a maze of tunnels and chambers, the home of hibernating wood ants. I don't think he's done yet. I don't think we've seen the last of, <laughs> <laughs> of Bert Gordon. Who's going to go first, Clint Eastwood or him? He's going to crack it. He's going to crack the story. <laughs> it's a giant bug story. H.G. <laughs> Wells, Empire of the Ants. For they shall inherit the earth sooner than you think. 2007. Mm -hmm. We get the um, Frank Darabont masterpiece, in my mind, um, mm -hmm. 
with uh, The Mist from uh, Stephen King's short story. Yes, yes. Something in the mist! Shut the doors! Shut the doors! I don't know what it is about this guy and doing Stephen King movies, but he can he can direct the fuck out of those. Yeah, things. he can. He can. Yeah. And of course, this is the first time he does one of the uh, Stephen King horror movies. Right. And Knocks it out of the park, man. It, yeah. Yeah. I don't. I, I'm not 100 percent sure. I know how the average person feels about this movie because it does have a very dark ending. That's yeah. That's one of the things that if you're gonna read something negative about this movie. Yeah. It's usually, I liked it, but... Yeah. <laughs> right. But what? Everyone I know has a big butt. Well, I love the ending, but... Because um, yeah. it's fucking bold. It's like, yep. just, just go for you it. betcha. Yep. So, this movie, though, could have been in our giant monster kaiju episode in a way. Because yeah. these are mutated bugs you know right uh, and uh whatever but we had yeah, so much what? content in that episode that we'll just put it here right and and the main reason we i thought of it for this particular thing is because again if we're gonna go with something that i have a little bit of a phobia of that's insect related or arachna yeah uh related it's gonna be spiders yeah and there's a scene in this where there's it's not exactly spiders it's uh, a form of whatever this shit is that's yeah. out in the mist yeah. their form of spiders yeah and it's fucking awful yes it's terrifying yes yes <laughs> kind of like he delves with when Darren does the first season of uh, The Walking Dead it's also about the horrors of humanity too right you know uh, what happens under apocalyptic scenarios and how people can right be kind of corralled into a you know cultish thinking for sure and it, it does that one thing too that i mean you could you could pretty much go all the way back to night of the living dead where you know there's horrible shit happening outside of the house yeah and then these people can't keep their shit together and just get along to get through the night right right exactly. you know what i mean yeah and that's what's going on in this this movie right so all this shit that ends up being not explained entirely but passed off as something that was military something uh, went induced. wrong <laughs> yeah and something went hey wacky right yeah a big storm hits the town and thomas jane and his son leave the wife behind at the house to go kind of get some um supplies at the the grocery store and they take the neighbor with them too don't they yeah you're not um heading into town today by any chance are you because he's the one that doesn't believe that there's shit out there. Yeah, right, right. We are experiencing some kind of disaster. I don't know whether it's man-made or natural, but I do know that it's definitely not supernatural or biblical. We're going out. Basically, the, the mist envelops the, uh, the, the grocery store they're in and then the town, and then um, everybody's yeah. like, what the heck's going on? And then it starts to fall apart, because I think some of the people are like, you know what, this is bullshit. Yeah. He's like, yeah, that's it, and he and he just leaves and ends yep. up get. They all end up getting like pieces of them are thrown at the the glass <laughs> right. windows and stuff like that. Yeah, right. So basically, the rule is between this movie and the fog, just don't go out. And yeah, right, the fog. right, right, right. 
Because there's either weird mutated things out there that the military fucked up on or yeah. pirate ghosts. So don't do it. <laughs> pirate ghosts. <laughs> Scooby-Doo, where are you? So, yeah, and as the night goes on, it's, it's mostly insects, but there's all kinds of stuff. Because the thing that gets the redhead shop kid is not necessarily a bug it's like this no it's like a weird octopus flash (laughs) yeah right tentacles and such with teeth tentacles with teeth you know teeth yeah 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 and then you know the there's those big bugs that start smashing the windows and windows right that's a great scene yeah the main thing that we're talking about though and this is these spider creatures that they have to leave the store yeah and then there's a pharmacy kind of nearby where they in are. the same strip mall yeah right and they go into this thing and it's completely deserted and the scary blue lights are going on so you right. don't know what's going on they got their weapons that they they have on them and one of the soldiers is uh Played by Sam Witwer, who, is, for all us Star Wars nerds out there, he is the <laughs> voice of Darth Maul in uh, the Clone Wars, uh, Solo, and Rebels. Oh, yes, yes, yes. I used your training, Master, and I have built all this in hopes of returning to your side. But, yeah, so these weird, giant, spider-looking things. Not giant as in they're going to crush the building, but giant yeah. as in they're way fucking bigger than any spider you've ever seen before. Yeah. John Goodman couldn't take care of these things. <laughs> yeah, right, right. And the web that they sling is acidic, so if it touches yes. you, it'll burn you right in half. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, the scene that really freaked me the fuck out is I think there was somebody in the web yes. from that was already there in the pharmacy that was dead and they yep they somehow cut him out or he falls out or something and when he hits the ground he basically explodes and tons of these tiny little <laughs> yeah. spiders come out of him. That is horrifying. Yep. Yeah, this movie's fucked up. It does a lot with a very little premise. Yeah. And that's what's spectacular about this film is that it doesn't need a gigantic budget or anything. It does all of these things and they're really inventive and he t- you know, did you have you well, that's one thing I should ask. Have you ever read the short story? Yeah, it's in the Skeleton Crew book which is a collection of short stories from and it's one of the longer ones in the in the i think it's the longest one in there yeah it's almost like a little novella right yeah uh and i did a book report on it passing it off as a book and the teacher had no idea (laughs) (laughs) yeah i went through a stephen king phase for about two years when i was probably 1920-ish and uh, by the time I got into it, this movie had so much popularity within that short story in that book that they made its own little book out of it. Right. Uh, a story of its own outside of that book and everything. Mm-hmm. So I remember getting that and reading that and thinking it was like, oh, man, like this is this is creepy. Yeah. Uh, the way he writes it and everything that's out there and, and everything. And Stephen King does this thing where he really paints the the picture of the world that you're reading it's so well that you don't have to stretch your imagination too much but he that's the great thing about how he does it he paints the world so perfect that he lets you inhabit the creatures yeah you know that are in that world right. and that's that's a brilliant thing he does it's up there for me with like the thing and uh 
yeah alien and all and american werewolf in london is one of my favorite horror movies you know me too yeah yeah no i i watch this at least every like other year yeah yeah i got it and i watch it and yeah it's it's a really well done film again it's got that claustrophobic feel to it Mm -hmm. which is what's good you feel the paranoia building in everyone which is which is so great and then of course it's got that ending that's just there's so many movies and studios and directors even that are afraid to leave the audience with a gut punch yeah (laughs) they don't want to do that they want you to walk out feeling good about it and they're about i give him the biggest props ever i do too i do too i uh, you know i think this is one we definitely don't want to spoil so but that kind of shit comes along once once every other decade it seems like you know what i mean that someone's willing to yeah and manages to get it approval to do that you know what i mean and it is different from the ending in the book right he he went off he took it on his own and i don't i'm curious as if stephen king was irritated with that or not probably no he loved it okay he loved it Uh, yeah I mean, it's a movie about fear sending people off a precipice, and it just it, it, it just felt intuitive to me. And I'm really glad that you you agreed and felt it was true to the story. Is it true that you extracted a promise from the studio that they wouldn't change the ending? Oh, absolutely. When Bob called me and said, I, I love this script, I'd love to make this movie, and I sat in a room with him and I said, you have to understand. The ending if is I, negotiable. It, exactly. And if I were willing to change the ending, I'd be making this movie for over twice the budget that that you're talking about. So why do you think spiders are the go-to insect for a lot of this stuff? I would say the spiders is probably up there as one of the biggest phobias as far as insects related or anything like that. Mm People will freak out more about spiders than I've seen anyone freak out about anything. You know, I have people, you know, being in Arizona, there's a lot of scorpions and stuff. People freak out about that stuff, too. But but spiders are the big one. Yeah. And I think that that's what they're terrifying. And they have all that shit that, you know, that not only can they bite you and some of them are so poisonous that some of them can kill you and all that stuff. But then they have the web and all of yeah. that. It, it, it creates this monster of a character. Right. It does. And then there's something about the being eight legged. There's something yeah. about the grace of its movement that is creepy as fuck about a spider yep. the way it, it it's like its body is perfectly suspended and uh you know because yep. there's so many legs moving that it, it just kind of floats across the yeah. terrain and in, in a really you know that's what the way that the tarantula i was talking about earlier that scared me <laughs> right just the way you know effortlessly moves floats yeah it's, cr- it's, it's yeah there's yeah. Uh, it's like i said i feel like we're we're programmed Yep. To react that way. Uh, you know, yep. obviously some people don't have it. Yeah. I, I feel like the average person does. You know, it's probably more than 50% of the world is probably yeah. freaked the fuck out by spiders. And I think that those people who aren't afraid of spiders, all they have to do is watch Wild Wild West and you will be afraid of spiders. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> All right, so since we've gone through our list, Tim, of that's the films we wanted to highlight, there's plenty out there, and we're definitely willing to listen to some of the recommendations and everything, but we have a few little wrap-up questions we want to toss at each other. Yeah. Is there one of these films that stand out as the best to you? 
the probably the mist to me. The mist. Granted, right. it's it's the most supernatural of all these, as far as like. Um, For sure. They're they're definitely mutants and stuff like that. They're they're not right. like direct animals from the from our existence, but. Okay, what's a what's a close number two? Them, them is one of yeah. my favorites. Yeah, and right. it has that fifties camp to it, but it, it, yep. it's just so cool. I, I don't know what it is about that movie. I mean, probably it's nostalgia. You know, I've, yeah, I've no. I've seen it a hundred times since I was eight years old. You know, totally. Yeah, that's the same for me too. And and I think what's also cool about it and especially watching it so many years later yeah yeah watching it and seeing how um the filmmakers get preachy about using atomic and yeah. the use of all of this right. stuff you know and it's it's one it's to punctuate the theme of the movie of course right but you can see a little finger wagon in the, the yeah. you can yeah. tell that they were doing it so i mean it's it's interesting to look at the in that perspective too right i like watching those old movies even if they're bad ones especially from a different era and and yeah and trying to think about it in terms of what did the, how did this play in a th- i'm going to a theater at 8 p.m. in 1954 right and watching this how is this playing to an audience you know mm-hmm. but if i am correct and the mounting evidence only fortifies my theory, then something incredible has happened in this desert. In which case, none of us will dare risk revealing it because none of us can risk a nationwide panic. So do you think there's still a, a good story in this genre waiting to be told? I think if it's going to happen, Bert, I Gordon's got to do it before he croaks. <laughs> yeah, he's got maybe a good two, three years left in him. He's Come a- on, Bert. Uh, yeah, I do. I think that there's someone out there that can can tackle it and do it. I don't. I you know I don't think that there's a lot of no matter how ridiculous some of the story is, unless it's about giant bunnies. I don't think that there's a lot of movies out there that if you can tell it right with the right um, tone. Uh huh can't be at least if not good watchable <laughs> i don't know it's hard to it's hard to say i mean movies with like giant bugs and stuff like that it seemed to be part of an era and i feel i even feel like empire of the ants is nostalgic to the 50s in its own way you know what totally. i mean and in that time of like that naive atomic yeah. scare era, you know what I mean? That what can this stuff do to people, and you know how can it mutate things? Right. And uh, you know, you had sent me an article about the insects of Chernobyl and what they, right. how they had mutated after that, and what really what happens to them is that it just kind of deforms them and it throws them out of symmetry. You know what I mean? Right. It doesn't make them yep. any bigger or or right. glow in the dark or anything like that. They just right. they're warped in a way. Right. Yeah. I mean, it would have to take a pretty clever angle to do it and make it seem believable because of what you were saying earlier about knowledge you know what i mean we we are so you know we're a much more informed culture these days that it's harder to pull this kind of shit off you know what i mean because whereas in the 50s we're just a bunch of ignorant buffoons (laughs) yeah exactly and 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 it's easier to just say whatever just throw any kind of lizard in there those fuckers don't know any better right and one of the things that i think if it can be cracked what they can't get bogged down with is explanation of how it happened. Right. Yeah. The mist is great about that because it doesn't, it gives you 
this could have happened. It, mm-hmm. It's or, or or just saying something happened in, in a military experiment that right. went wrong. Right. That's all you got to hear. Right. And then it's out of your brain. There's no. But if you're over explaining it, you're like, oh, okay, well, this is kind of right. Do any of these films scare you? The the mist did. The yeah. mist made me on edge because of the, the that like we were just talking about the vulnerability of them being a glass storefront and all that stuff and these things being huge and then right that really really big one at the end when (laughs) (laughs) i think the way they shot it and and did the cg there was so much fade to it that it really felt real yep like big it it felt huge yeah and you and and that really kind of makes that that Godzilla phenomenon kind of feel uh, realistic in that one. Yep. You know, when it's not a guy in a rubber suit. It's this very right. alien giant insect that is like the size of a fucking skyscraper. You know what I mean? Yep. Yeah. The, uh, the mist definitely for me, for sure. And then uh, I, I can say I probably saw them young enough, seven, eight. And uh, I don't know if right in the moment of watching it, it scared me, but mm-hmm. I remember later on being a kid, and you're in, you're in bed, and the shadows are hitting things, and you think yeah, you're in a, right. you yeah, that, right. that probably creeped me out a little. Right. I could, I could probably see myself getting scared for that. So what do you say we uh, wind her down and? Rub one out. <laughs> <laughs> I'm down. <laughs> sounds, sounds like a typical Friday night to me. Yeah, all right. Uh, all right. Well, thank you all for listening out there. Yeah. Uh, again, uh, we have all of our questions that we've posed to each mm-hmm. other that we will we will post to you, and we, 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 we look forward to hearing what you guys have to say about all of this stuff. I guess we do, yeah. Yeah, and if you have something negative to say, don't say it. Don't <laughs> if only it was that easy. <laughs> All right. All right. Hitting then. the button to end transmission.